Have you ever had one of those days recently where you just think, if I can just get through this day, God, please help me. Just help me get by, get to five o'clock quitting time. I just, it's just been a rough day. Can't wait for it to end. Or maybe it's not a day. Maybe it's a full week to think, I just can't believe this is the worst week of my life. If I can just get through it, if I can just get by till the weekend, everything's going to be better next week. I just, I just have to, you know, hunker down, dig in and just get through this, get by until I can just rest and kind of catch up and re-energize myself. Or maybe it's more localized. Maybe it's, you know, like one event. God, please help me get through this meeting. I had no idea what I was stepping into when I came in here today. And if I could get out of this unscathed, that would be incredible. God, help me get through this class or help me get through this test. This has just been so hard and difficult. I just, I can't wait to get out of here. Get through this practice. Lord, help me get through this family reunion. I, my family is crazy. Lord, help me get through this date. How did I let someone sign me up for this blind date? Just, just can I get through that? Some of y'all are probably thinking, can I just get through this sermon? Uh, we just started it. Man, I'm ready to go, right? If we had those moments in our lives that are just so difficult, so challenging, and we're just ready to get through it, bear it, you know, get through it, grin and bear it, whatever, to get it behind us. I think we all understand and experience that. I'm afraid, though, I'm afraid that for some of us, one day later in life, we're going to look back and we're going to say, man, I spent all of my life trying to get through or get by, and I didn't really enjoy life. I'm going to look back and say, man, I just, I've been trying to get through and get by so much that I missed out on all the great things that God had in store for me. Are you more of a get by, get through kind of person? Are you more of a man? Life is a gift and I want to celebrate that. And I'm grateful for what God has done for me. I was uh, watching the uh, basketball game this past Tuesday. Surprise, surprise, the Duke basketball game. Those of you who know me, I love that. I love the Blue Devils. And uh, it's fun watching Zion Williamson. If you haven't had a chance to watch this young man, uh, my young son calls him a dunking machine. He's a national phenomenon right now. A lot of fun to watch Zion Williamson. So Duke rolled in to play Notre Dame away at South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame, very elite academic institution. They've had some really good basketball teams and looking forward to seeing this game. And ESPN was running the game and they usually have this segment called Miked Up. And so what they do is they put a microphone on one of the players, one of the coaches, and throughout the, the telecast, the, they'll let you hear some of the things that they said. They're careful about what they let you hear and not hear. And uh, so you can hear like in a, in a timeout or a huddle what's going on and kind of get the inside scoop of what's going on. And, and so I was kind of disappointed that the person who was going to be mic'd up was not a Duke player, but was a Notre Dame player. And he uh, is a captain of Notre Dame, really good looking guy. He has perfectly blonde, coiffed hair, you know, no strand is out of place. And uh, he's got this full scholarship to this elite academic institution. And, you know, it, it's easy for me to pull against him. So I was getting ready to cheer loudly against him. And I'm like, why do they mic him, you know? And so and then I found out that he had been injured. And so he was going to be basically just cheering his team on. And I'm like, oh, poor baby, what are tweak his ankle. He can't play today. Let's put a microphone on him and let him be a national celebrity. Uh, but pretty soon I found out that it was more than that. He, he had blown out his knee and he was a captain of the team, one of their leading scorers. The team was expected to do much better than they're doing because of his injury. And it's a major deal. So I began to feel a little bit guilty about my prejudgment of this young man. 
Uh, and then it got worse as the announcers were talking about him. They said that the same weekend that he blew out his knee, and he's been out for a long time. It's been a long road back from recovery. The same weekend that he blew out his knee, his mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so now I'm feeling like this small. And, you know, who, who, do, who do we know in life that we fully understand their story? And we make these quick judgments, and I was guilty of making that quick judgment. And so now I'm interested to see, you know, how's he going to respond? What's he going to be like? What kind of a personality is he? And, man, he's a very likable person. He, he's just, you know, full of joy and enthusiasm. And, you know, the skeptical side of me is, well, of course, he's on national television. He gets this national spotlight. Who wouldn't put their best foot forward? And, but the announcers kept talking about how they'd gotten a chance to know him and his family and that his family's the real deal. They're going through this incredibly difficult struggle with his mom, and she doesn't know if she's going to live or die. But her attitude, her son's attitude, the family's attitude is just one that's very commendable. And they're not letting his injury or her cancer define who they are. And they're really trying to just seize the moment and enjoy life. And so I got much more out of watching that than basketball. And it just really reminded me of, you know, what is it in our life? How do we approach our life? Like, could, if something like that happened to our family, how would we respond to that? Would we be able to, to move forward and not let it define us and not let it to hold us back from living a life that is full of joy? And, and I guess, you know, a bigger question is, can we have life to the full? Can we live a good life even when our circumstances are not great? What does it look like to be able to, to have joy in all moments of life? Is that really possible? And again, as individuals, are, are we more of a, I just got to grind it out. I got to get through. I got to get by kind of a, a person. Or do we want to seize life and live it to, to do what God created us to do? And so we're going to talk about what that life can look like. And I'm so glad you're here. And I just, I'm, I'm ready to dive into the scripture today and, and, and dig in. We're going to be in the gospel of John in the New Testament. Right? The gospel is the good news of Jesus. It talks about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, how that affects us in our lives. And, and this gospel is written by an eyewitness. This was written by a man named John, who's one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And so he's recounting for us some of Jesus' direct words. And today Jesus is, is talking to a group of religious leaders in the first century in Israel. They were known as Pharisees. And Jesus had some real problems with the Pharisees. Many of them were hypocrites. They said to do one, one way in life, to live life one way. They were living a different way. And so they weren't really doing what they were telling people to do. And so he's kind of butting heads with the Pharisees. And he's going to be speaking to them using imagery uh, of a shepherd and sheep. Because in first century Israel, there were a lot of shepherds who had a lot of sheep. And so that was an everyday kind of local example. And so Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees about shepherds and sheep, only he's not really talking about shepherds and real sheep. He's talking about something deeper, and the Pharisees don't understand what that is. So let's see if we can understand what Jesus is trying to teach uh, these, these religious leaders using everyday language uh, of their day and how it relates to living life. So we begin with John chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, and Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So if you were a shepherd and you had a local area to graze your sheep at night, you would have to protect them. And, 
And most shepherds had a pen to do that. And what they would usually do is they would build their sheep pen near a big cliff or a, a big rock wall. And then they would add three walls around that to make sure it had four walls. And so they had the big cliff behind them. They would have the three walls in front. And, and the walls would be about waist high, made out of rock. And usually they'd have some kind of brambles or thorns on them to keep people from climbing over them. Those would be the robbers and the thieves. And then there was a, a, a gate in the middle where there was a door, usually made out of wood or, or brambles or whatever, only one way in, one way out, right? So Jesus says, right, some will try to come in over the walls and they're not the good guys. The one who enters by the gate, though, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was when he has bought out all, brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, right? The sheep are with the shepherd all the time. They recognize his voice. They know this is the one that I can trust. This is a human that's not going to try to eat me, make me some kind of mutton, you know, or a lamb chop, right? I can trust this guy. He's not coming over the walls. He's going in the gate through the door the right way and I, I can understand his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Of course, Jesus is talking about how he is the shepherd. The people are his sheep. He's trying to protect them from the mean, nasty world that's always trying to come and use us, abuse us, manipulate us, that sort of thing. All right. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are the thieves and robbers. There have been a lot of people who tried to, to rule Israel, and, and a lot of them are not trustworthy. Political leaders, these religious leaders, right? They're trying to mess with the people of Israel. But the sheep, fortunately, have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters me through me will be saved, right? So Jesus is our access to God. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy, right? Now, here comes our key verse for the day. It's going to be our key verse for this series. It's going to be our key verse for the entire year here. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is saying that he's a shepherd, we're the sheep. Right? It's a tough world out there. There's some bad things that happen. There's some bad people out there who are going to try to get us and mess us up. But Jesus says, I am the way to God. If you follow me, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Now notice that Jesus does not say, I have come so that you can get by in life. I, Jesus doesn't say, I have come so that you can get through the day or get through the week or get through the meeting. Right? I have come so that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. And I love this verse in John 10, 10. I think it's, it's, it's about who we are as a congregation, who we are as a church, who we are supposed to be as people of God. The vision that we have from God for our specific congregation at South Park Church is to be the spiritual crossroads of South Park, leading people to life rich in Christ. I think the rich in Christ phrase uh, is, is, is kind of said in a different way here by Jesus. I have come to give you life and to give you that life to the full. Brothers and sisters, how many of us are living life to the full? 
I think this is so important. I think, I just love it. I love this phrase that Jesus uses. And, and, and I really believe that Jesus is calling us as a congregation to make that our focus this year. That we at South Park Church live life to the full. That we at South Park Church help other people live life to the full. Our families and our friends and our colleagues at work and our neighbors and the people that are in our families, that we help people live life to the full. So in the spirit of today's Super Bowl, and you guys did some great cheering for the Rams, could have done a little bit better for the Patriots. Uh, I just want to invite you to do that in a way that's godly today. So I'm going to say that we live life, and I'd like for you to say enthusiastically to the full. Okay, you guys think you can handle that? All right, so at South Park Church, we live life. To the full. We live life. That's awesome. You guys are great, right? You blew away the Rams there. You blew away the Patriots. You got some gusto in you. I love that, right? That's what we're called to do is to live life to the full. When I was in college as an undergraduate, I took a class called the pursuit of happiness. Does anybody know where that phrase comes from? That's from the Declaration of Independence, right? In America, we, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this class was to teach us about what it means to pursue happiness. And today I'm going to use the terms happy and glad and joyful all synonymously. I know sometimes we separate happiness from joy, but I'm going to lump all those in there together. What does it look like to live a happy, joy-filled, grateful life? And so this class was was a a way of exploring that and how people do that in, in America. And so my professor said that most of us who live in America do one of two things. He said the first group says that they, they look back in their past and say, I was happy when. I was happy when I was a child and didn't have many cares in the world. I was happy when I was single and, and, and dating around. I was happy when I was on this sports team. I was happy when I had this job. I was happy when we lived in this city. I was happy when we lived in this house. I was so happy when we first got married before I had a chance to really get to know your mama. Uh, <laughs> We were happy when we first got married. We had so much passion and now we're just old and grumpy and we lost that love and feeling a long time ago. Boy, we were happy when. Then my professor said, the other other group in America, that, that we look forward to being happy. I'm going to be happy when I can move out on my own. I'm going to be happy when I graduate. I'm going to be happy when I make the team. I'm going to be happy when I make my first million dollars. I'm going to be happy when I go to college. I'm going to be happy when I graduate. I'm going to be happy when I get married. I'm going to be happy when I buy my first house. So half of us are looking back to when we're going to be, we're happy. Half of us are looking forward to when we're going to be happy. And the implication is right now we're not really that happy. We were happy once or we're looking forward to being happy at some time in the future. But right now we really don't feel great about our life, right? We're getting through, we're getting by. That that's, might not be said overtly, but that's what we imply when we say I was happy or I will be happy. Then my professor absolutely blew me away with what he said next. He said, okay, now you know what people are doing looking back or they're looking forward. He said, here's the deal. Here's the reality. You're as happy right now as you ever will be. You're as happy right now as you ever will be. 
Don't bother looking back. Don't bother looking forward. You need to figure out how to be happy right now. Now, I've got to say, though, that, you know, sometimes some of us are going through some very difficult things right now. Like we've been diagnosed with something horrible. Someone we love has been diagnosed with something horrible. We've had someone who's died that's been close to us. We're feeling sick. We've lost our job. We've had our heart ripped out and jumped up and down on by someone who just dumped us. And and we're not feeling really happy right now. And, And I want to recognize that. Sometimes it's a miracle from God that we can get through the day. Sometimes it's a miracle from God that we can get by. But I think what my professor was saying is, is that we need to figure out a way to live life to the full now, right? For the people that look back in history and say, wow, I was happy then. I'm sure that there was a lot of happiness in their past that that they're, they're remembering. But a lot of times when we look back in the past, we conveniently forget all of the challenging times and the hard situations that we went through. We romanticize the past. We remember the good stuff and we kind of glaze over the bad stuff. If we were to ask someone who was with us then whether or not we were happy, they're like, no way, you hated that house. You didn't like this class. You were not enjoying that relationship. How can you say that's the best time of your life now? So sometimes we totally gloss over the past and we romanticize it. And then the other side of that, when we're looking forward to being happy, when, you know, we do get married or we do get in that house or we get that promotion or we make the team or our team wins the Super Bowl or whatever, those are going to be great moments, absolutely. But my professor said that many people, once they get to that moment, they're enjoying it, but a lot of them look around and say, is this all that there is? I thought it would be a little bit better than this. And then some of them get to that point in life and say, okay, this is awesome, but now what? I've been looking forward to this for a year or two years or five years or 10 years. And now that it's here, it's okay. It's nice. It's good. But but now what am I going to do? I mean, look at some of the people in our, our nation who are on top of their professions and they have everything in the world, and some of them are great, and they love it, and, and life is awesome, and, and others of them have turned to alcohol and drugs, and, and their marriages are falling apart, and they realize that everything that they've ever wanted has been great, but it's not everything. Right? And so my professor is saying, if we want to live life to the full, we've got to figure out how to do that now. And we've got to realize that in this moment right now that there are things that are great and they're awesome and they make us feel good. And there's things in this moment right now that are crappy and they stink and and some of them are absolutely terrible and they don't make us feel good. But we've got to figure out a way to do life to the full, right? Right here, right now. We, We can't go back to the past unless you have a time machine. The future's coming. We hope that's going to be good. But we're living now. We're living in the moment. And Jesus said, I came to give you life to the full now. Yeah, we have heaven to look forward to. But he says, I want to give you life to the full now. So I think the big question is, can we live life to the full in all circumstances? Can we live life to the full in all circumstances? That's a question we're going to be wrestling with over the next few weeks. And I think it begs an even more basic question. What is life to the full? What does that mean? What, when Jesus said that, what did he mean? I came to give you life 
and so that you can have life to the full. What does that look like? What does it mean? And we've talked before in here about uh, the, you know, the phrase, the Latin phrase, carpe diem, seize the day, that uh, whether you know that phrase or not, there's, you know, this, this sense in our, in our world, in the U.S. of, you know, you got to grab life by the, by, the, by the lapels, the throat, whatever. You got to live that life, right? Live it now. And for a lot of us, that's adventure, right? We need to go skydiving or climb a mountain. We create a bucket list. And, you know, there are these things that I need to do so that my life has meaning. And we want to go traveling and adventure and all that. Was there a country song that says, I went skydiving. I went smoky mountain climbing. I rode a bull named Fu Manchu. You know, we, we have these things that we want to do. And, and I, I think that's part of it, right? We want to eat the best food and, and climb the mountain and see the sunset, you know, go to the ocean and do all that stuff. We want to have the, the best house and clothes and stuff that we can get and get the best educations for our children. And, you know, I think all of this plays a role in living life to the full. But I also think that living life to the full is something more than that. I think that living life to the full in all circumstances and it's more than just seizing the moment, seizing the day, that kind of a thing. So the question is, so what? So what is life to the full? What does it look like, right? Well, the hard part is I, I can't get it all out today in just a few minutes. And so you're going to need to come back for the next three Sundays. <laughs> and so uh, completely shameless plug to get you guys to come back. But it's, it's just too big. It's just too big. But what I'd like to ask you to begin to do is this. This week, every day for, for seven days, uh, every, uh, at the end of every day for the next seven days, is to sit down and just ask yourself, uh, am I living life to the full? Did I live life to the full today? And I invite you to, to, to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, okay? One is low, not life to the full today. 10 is yes, I live life to the full today, right? So to write it down for seven days, Every day, so Sunday, how I do, Monday, how I do, right? One to 10, on a scale of one to 10, did I live life to the full today? And you can define that in whatever way that you want to define that, right? How the, use whatever criterion you want to use. Did I live life to the full today? And then I would invite you, right after you do that, to answer two simple questions, right? The first question is, where did I resist Jesus today? And the second question is, where did I work with Jesus today? Where did I resist Jesus today? And where did I work with Jesus today? Okay, so first of all, we scale it one to 10. And then we ask ourselves two questions. Where did I resist Jesus today? Where did I work with Jesus today? And just write them down, right? You can bullet point it, right? And what I'd like for you to begin to do is to see if how you answered those questions relates to how you scored whether or not you're living life to the full. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of tipping my hat about what's coming in the next few sermons here, right? How am I living? Am I living life to the full? Have I resisted Jesus? Have I worked with Jesus? And, and the way that I answer those questions, does it really, does it influence how I feel about my life? I think it will. I think it will influence the way that we live our lives. And just invite you to do that uh, over this next week. And let's just see what living life to the full is like. Are you someone who is just getting by or just getting through? Are you living into the life that Jesus has given you? Living life to the full. 
So speaking of Jesus, I want to get back to what he had to say in the rest of that passage in John's gospel in chapter 10. So he's just said, I've come to give you, give you life, life to the full. So let's see what he says next in uh, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. There are a lot of people in our lives when stuff goes down and it gets, goes sideways and gets wrong and bad, they're gone, right? That's not who Jesus is. The hired hand is not the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Remember, Jesus is talking to the Jewish people of Israel and he's trying to tell them, I love you. I love your people, but I'm here for everybody in the world. That's what he's talking about in this verse. I must bring them, all of them, here to me also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. Right? Jesus died for us. He came back to life. He was resurrected. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus isn't a robber. He's not a thief. He's not just anybody. He's the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Jesus loves us. Jesus looked down from heaven and he saw us. He says, I, I love you. I created you in my image. You are very good and you are capable of a lot of good things. And, and when you do those good things, I just, I love seeing that. But I also gave you the ability to choose. You have free will. You can do what you want. And sometimes you choose well, and it's awesome. And sometimes you choose unwisely. And you hurt me, and you hurt other people, and you bring brokenness into life. And so that image of God that I created you in becomes stained with wrongdoing, which the Bible calls sin. And because of that, we bring guilt into our lives. We bring shame into our lives. There's things that we regret and wish we had never done or, or we could totally forget about. And because of that, we will die one day a physical death and, and we will be separated from God and each other. And, and the Bible uses the word hell for that, right? Broken relationships, separated from each other, separated from God, separated from what the way God intended it. Jesus saw all of that and he said, that's not what I want. And so he left heaven and he came to the earth. He became a person while remaining God and he lived among us. He taught among us. He, he performed miracles and he allowed himself to be killed on a cross, nailed to a cross. And when he was, he took our, our guilt and our shame and our wrongdoing and our death and our hell and our separation and our brokenness and he defeated it. When he rose from the dead and he says, now I give you life to the full on this earth and forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus came to do for us. So what, pastor? I've heard that. So what's the big deal? What's the point? What does it have to do with sheep and shepherds? What does it have to do with, with life? Right? What's, what's the big idea? What, why, what, what are we supposed to walk away with? Right? So what? So what? How does this affect my life? This is how I think it affects our lives. Jesus did not die so that we can just get by in our lives. 
He didn't do all of that so that we could just get by through our lives, so that we could just get through this day or just get through this week or just get through this meeting or just get through this reunion, right? Jesus did all of that because he loves us and he wants us to live life to the full and not to wait until heaven, not to wait into eternity, but that heaven is here now because he has ushered in his kingdom and he brought life to the full now. Brothers and sisters, how many of us are living life to the full? How many of us are just trying to get by or get through the day and we have no clue of this full life that Jesus is talking about because we feel so empty? Aren't you hungry for life to the full? Aren't you thirsty for life to the full? Jesus did not die so that we can just get by. He gave his life so that we can live ours. He gave his life so that we can live ours. And what if we began to do that? What if we began to live life to the full? What if we began to focus on that? What what could our individual life look like? What could our family life look like? What could our church look like? What could South Park look like? What, what What could the world look like if we really captured life to the full? I'm glad you're here today because we do something very special. And I just want to invite you to get out your communion packet that you were handed when you came in. Let me invite the worship team to come up and, and join me. If you don't have one of these, uh, just raise your hand. We'll ask the ushers to come come talk to you and, and bring you this. Not talk to you, but just bring this to you. Um, I'll be talking. <laughs> so just hang on to this for a minute. Right Today we remember that When Jesus was with his disciples for the very last time, he he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he blessed it. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And after that, he took a a cup of wine and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many so that your sin, your wrongdoing may be forgiven. As often as you do that, remember me. So what I'm holding in my hand, what you're holding in your hand is, is a powerful symbol. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus that was broken for us. The the grape juice symbolizes the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And, and, And for those of us who are hungry and thirsty for life to the full, you're holding it in your hands. And this symbolizes more than just something physical, an element of bread, an element of grape juice. It symbolizes that the God of the universe is real and he's ready to come and live inside of us. And he's ready to forgive us of our past. He's ready to give us hope for the future. But he's ready to be with us right here and right now so that we can live life to the full in all circumstances, through the good and through the bad, to know that we have Christ and that Christ lives in us. And that is reason enough to have life to the full. And so to partake of this today, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian, right? This is God's free gift to us. What it does is it opens us to Jesus, to to living life to the full. If you're watching at home or you're listening on the podcast, feel free to pause it, right? Go find some bread, go find some crackers, get get some juice, get some water, right? It's it's a symbol for what God did for us and come back and, and join us in receiving this amazing gift. Because what we do when we eat it, what we do when we drink it is we say, God, I love you. I want to believe in you. I want you to live in me. I want to live life to the full. Give me your life-giving power. That's what we're getting ready to do. So brothers and sisters, may we just say, Lord, forgive us of the wrong that we've done. 
Forgive us of living lives without you. Forgive us for, for, for trying to get through and, and trying to get by, Lord, when you're ready to give us life to the full. Come live in us, Lord. Be our Lord and Savior. Help us to begin to have this hunger and this thirst quench, God. Let us truly begin living life as you have created. Thank you for laying down your life so that we can live ours. So I invite you with hope and expectancy in your hearts to peel back that top layer and bring out this wafer and know this is the body of Jesus broken for us. Then to peel back that next level and to know this is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us so that we may have life and have it to the full. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks be to God. Fill us, Lord, where we are empty, make us full. God, help us to know what life to the full is. Because at South Park Church, we live life. We live life. Amen. Let's stand and sing, brothers and sisters.